off and running on a new edition of the Nashville Soccer Show here on 104.5 The Zone alongside Davey Shepard and Lucas Panzika. I am Will Bowling. There is lots to discuss, gentlemen, with the United States men's national team in town. Nashville SC picking up its first road win and transfer deadline day. Lots of signings and the transfer window of our lifetimes uh, that is finishing up. Uh, today gentlemen how are we doing tonight uh doing well man and uh a lot uh going on you know all across the world of soccer like you said will so um tons to get into and uh i mean for me nothing bigger than that first road win that you mentioned and it has been the transfer window of our lifetimes capped off by a cristiano ronaldo return to manchester united this has been unbelievable across all top five European leagues this season. So, yeah, let's get into it here. A lot to get into. It might also just be the transfer window of anyone's lifetime. (laughs) I think that's a a realistic thing to say at this point, that there has never been a transfer window like this as long as there have been transfer windows that have existed uh, with Cristiano Ronaldo joining Manchester United. Uh, And by the way, I want it on the record that uh, if I had known that Manchester United was going to sign Ronaldo, I would have picked them to win the league, just like both of you. (laughs) <laughs> and that t- I will and not that man accept City, defeat. I will not accept defeat in this situation. <laughs> and that Man City is not going to sign Harry Kane and just go without a striker, but still be able to demolish Premier League teams. It's crazy. Look, I, I know we're going to get into it later, but for me, Ole already has them drastically underperforming. Oh. And <laughs> if you look at some of those tactics the other day against Wolves, it was kind of hard to watch. It's like a guy who can barely drive a Kia driving a Ferrari. It's just so hard to watch. But we'll talk about that later on. So. I love the meme too, real quick. Of um, it, it was Ronaldo like pointing at somebody on the field when he was hurt in that Euro final for Portugal, yeah. and it was just like Ronaldo every day with Ole Gunnar Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as his manager. Yeah. It might be a cause. Uh, hey, Ole is a man manager, right? That that is where he he makes his bread. Now he's gonna that's gonna be put to the test with Cristiano Ronaldo in that in that sideline. Hopefully, he doesn't get uh, exiled like Donny Van de Beek uh, has been. Uh, Switch. So someone the other day was like. Imagine if Jose Mourinho did this to a player, what people would say. <laughs> and it's just Van de Beek just Be sitting by himself. <laughs> like, how, how do you drop Cristiano Ronaldo from the lineup at Manchester United, right? <laughs> I, I, I don't want to have I – I think it would be funny to see that conversation the first time it happens. That's uh, Rumors early today, too, that he is getting the seven back. So him and Cavani must have sorted through that. Oh, themselves, so. okay. I thought we might see him double down with the 77. Yeah. It's like a Julio Jones situation there. Anyway, yeah, there you go. Um, hey, guys, first thing uh, when we talk about Nashville SC in Atlanta. So this was my first time in the stadium for one of these road matches. What would you think? And I, I must say, I am really blown away by uh, how much Nashville supporters and atmosphere stacks up against an Atlanta. And this is not a dig at Nashville SC supporters. I think Nashville SC supporters have come a long way this year to – to adding to their group and being louder and providing a, a bigger atmosphere. So this is actually more of a knock on Atlanta's supporters and atmosphere than it is um, a, a conversation about Nashville's, but it's a little bit of both, right? Because I was not blown away by how loud that place was uh, and specifically how loud their supporters were. Like I walked away from that game thinking Nashville SC supporters can stack up with most everybody not named LAFC and maybe Austin or Orlando in MLS. Like I was really kind of shocked that it wasn't a more raucous loud atmosphere when I left that place. I, I said the same thing that uh, I've only been there one time for a soccer game. And uh, 
I just left kind of baffled by the whole thing. Like, yes. you know, the idea that it's some like hollowed ground that everybody is freaking out about and everybody needs to make it like they cheered when they're supposed to cheer. They kind of didn't when they weren't like it. It just felt like any good sporting event and, and not that it was bad by any means, but it just like it was just fine. So uh, I thought the same thing. That being said, I think you're dead on about. Uh, Nashville supporters, they didn't really have a chance last year to kind of prove what they could be because of COVID and all of that stuff. And this year, I mean, I think they've just been awesome. You could hear them on the TV the whole time. It was great to watch. And uh, I mean, I'm sure it was great to be there and see it as well. I get that credit that's given to Atlanta supporters because they're kind of the new thing in MLS. It should probably be directed more towards a Portland fan base that has been consistently insane and crazy game in and game out. For years and years, but that's kind of the old thing to talk about in MLS. Now you've got all these expansion sides. They have the volume, right? That's where the advantage is. They had 42 plus thousand people in there. That facility is unbelievable. I, I think probably the best NFL MLS shared stadium in the country is Mercedes Benz in Atlanta. So they have those advantages, but yeah, sure. I mean, you know, the volume is the city's a lot bigger. They have a better facility, but when you stack them up fan against fan, I don't see why Nashville wouldn't be right among them. I mean, the, I, I think their people up in the upper deck and like the non-supporters knew the game better because they've they've sure. had it longer. But who wouldn't expect that? Like I, I went in there expecting this, like you said, this hallowed ground, this, you know, oh, teams just don't come to Atlanta and get a result and win. Uh, and as much as their fan base kind of looks down on Nashville a little bit like, oh, well, you know, heck, as much as columnists in Nashville try to compare Atlanta and say, wow, Atlanta is this big, bad supporters group, and Nashville just has these small little numbers. That's just not the case anymore. Uh, it may have been, you know, year one when they were selling out Georgia Tech Stadium down the, down the street, but I, I don't I, – I was really surprised, and I, I, I leave there more appreciative of what Nashville's been able to create in just two years. Uh, but, guys, let's also give credit to the team on the field. This team on the field looks nothing like a team in year two. Um, uh, I, I think I've said, you know, they've, they've made more mistakes that are indicative of an expansion team this year. This, to me, that second half at Atlanta is as impressive as that team has looked over 45 minutes easily uh, this year for me. Yeah, no, I, I think it was nearly as complete of a performance as they've had the whole year. And and I tweeted it out during the game. We've been pretty forward about the road struggles and our, our disapproval of that. Uh, I mean, that's like uh, even at 1-0, that's a uh, stone cold, exactly what you need to see on the road performance. Giving up 60% of the ball, uh, almost doubling up their shots, doubling up their shots on goal. Uh I mean, that's a way to do business on the road in MLS in any soccer league, really. And uh, I mean, the performance was complete. I said it. Um, Dan Lovitz and Dave Romney will just never get enough credit for how good they are. They're unbelievably good. Um, but uh, Dan Lovitz in particular, that assist for me is the pass of the season so far. I thought it was brilliant. And uh, credit to Daniel Rios. He's put his foot firmly in place. Uh, he's back. We know Gary likes him. Um, and he scores goals. The guy, we've said it all year. Hey, Rios would have finished that, yada, yada, yada. Guys just got to stay healthy and stay on the field because he's the best finisher on the team. There's no way around it. Um, looking forward, it's interesting because now Randall A. all leaves. Uh, and uh, what does the formation look like? Does Zach Loba eat those lay all minutes up, or does it kind of become more of a two at the top with Rios and Sapong? And uh, even though they're, for me, a little bit more like for like, but 
we'll see what it's going to be. Uh, that Lovitz assist to Rios at stoppage time of the first half, I think he's as much credit to Gary Smith as anything else for moving Lovitz to that right side. And good to see Alistair Johnson slip back into that back three, something that he did a ton with Canada. First time he ever played in a back three as a center back was with Canada this summer with the national team. And I feel like Gary Smith has noticed that. And I like the ability to have Johnson and Lovitz combining on that right side and allow Taylor Washington to be in his comfort zone on that left side if you're going to start Taylor Washington. And that assist, you're right, Dave, he kind of hips pointed the opposite direction. I, I think that's the reason why that's able to free up Rios because there's no indication that that's where he's going with the ball. And the pass right. just completely flipped versus where his hips are and just opens up that space for Rios and a clinical finish. So this team really found the game. I thought like 20 minutes in, they kind of found their footing here. And look, just good to see. And obviously, it's the best performance on the road because it's the first win on the road. But just the approach was completely different from what we've talked about. It, it seemed like this team had a bit of a come to Jesus when it came to their road performances. And they actually went for it. This looked like a home performance on the road for the first time and not by a close margin because it's been the complete opposite of that largely this season when this team is away from Nissan Stadium. So just good to see that, even if this is a draw, guys, just good to see that change in tactics and approach and attitude in a game away from home, and it pays off. And it's again, it's in, in line with everything we say about this team playing up or down to competition. There's no reason that this is the Atlanta side. You get three points against on the road when you're unable to do it in the other two. Uh, but, hey, you'll take the three points. This team's tied for second in the East on points. Uh, and it's just a great result, a great approach, a great weekend for this club. Well, I think the assist from Lovitz is really impressive. It, it was just such a creative move in the moment to, as a wingback, cut inside and overload the midfield. Uh, Atlanta United was starting one out-and-out uh, defensive midfield player against Nashville SC and kind of went for it, and it was just a numbers game. Like, if Dan Lovitz comes from the wingback position, overloads the middle, Alistair Johnston made a really smart run to pull the fullback towards the outside, towards the touchline. Then you just have one-on-one -on -one with Daniel Rios in a center back, and I don't care if it's Miles Robinson uh, playing at that center back role. Daniel Rios is good, and if he gets in that position, you know he's going to finish it. Um, and, and how about C.J. Sapong creating the chances that he created? Uh, C.J. Sapong created four chances and had these crucial passes in the final third um, throughout this game. This was our knock on Yonder Cadiz uh, for, for the time that he played. I think even the people uh, in this city that will defend Yonder Cadiz more than anyone else could admit that the chance creation, the, the passing, the movement off the ball just wasn't there for him when he was up top for Nashville SC. CJ Sapong is not putting a foot wrong uh, for this team right now. I thought even though he didn't score in this game, it was one of his better performances, just creating for the guys around him because without Randall Layall in that starting 11, you, you needed somebody to step up and do that job. And not a coincidence at this point that Cadiz, with everything you just said, Cadiz oh, right. has essentially been dropped from this lineup. He's not even on the bench for this game. So I, I think that we kind of – I feel like that yonder Cadiz discussion is kind of complete at this point, right? Yeah. Unless something no, it, drastically it changes, uh, we don't really – there's not much more to learn about what yonder Cadiz and, and how he can fit with this team. No, I think you're spot on. I, I mean, I just don't really expect to see him in the 18 yeah. anytime soon. I just don't know where he gets in in the forward slots, especially with Gary. I mean, right now it kind of looks like he's got Loba somewhat of a fifth choice forward, um, right? Like 
you know, you've got Mukhtar, Sapong, and, and Leal, and then Rios. Yeah, uh, and Rios just jumps Loba on his return from injury, right? Right, yeah. So, uh, I mean, and, and kind of from what it looked like to me, and, and me and Ben Wright were talking about this the other day, you listen to the way Gary talks about it, and maybe he just always had Rios ahead of Cadiz either way, and just the injury was the only difference. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what it seems like. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I thought defensively for Nashville, uh, Atlanta had some chances, which you would expect them to have in their home stadium with the form that they had been on coming into this game. Uh, I, I think the the story of this match for me uh, might just be Nashville's last-ditch defending. I mean, how many times did Atlanta get the ball in the box with a chance for Joseph Martinez, uh, uh, with a chance uh, for Ezekiel Barco, uh, with a chance for Ara, Ara, Araujo, which I, I learned that's how you say it uh, over the weekend as well. Uh, that guy was uh, sensational uh, running at Nashville's player. defense. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a great foot. signing by Atlanta. Really, really smart. Um, you know, I, I think they've got a uh, certainly a better plan and a better philosophy at play uh, in Atlanta now. But how many times were they in the box and you're holding your breath saying, all right, here we go. This is the moment where Atlanta finally breaks through. And Nashville didn't put a foot wrong in their own 18. Uh, Walker Zimmerman had a ton of last-ditch tackles and clearances. Alistair Johnson, I thought, was everywhere. Dave Romney is just rock solid. as just an eight every time you put him on the field. Uh, and then Joseph Martinez, that miss in stoppage time where the man rips his shirt off, I think he's putting that in the back of the net like 19, 19 times out of 20. I'm still in shock that he did not score that. Well, and, and this is another thing we talked about in the Speedway group chat right after. Uh, this was just the total inverse of the Miami game. Yeah. You have Cadiz and Martinez missing opportunities uh, to, to really just get the result back. For Nashville, it would have been a win in Miami, and for Atlanta, it would have been a draw at home. Uh, both of those opportunities are on a platter, go without the taking, and then up the field the other direction, goal goes in. And so, um, I mean, look, Nashville has um, – taking some tough ones on the road, Toronto away. Um, and then now, uh, you know, enter Miami. That's a really, really good result on the road. Your brother tweeted out after the game, this kind of does away with that home match loss, uh, sorry, uh, draw. And, you know, on paper, he's right. You know, you, you kind of cross one of those off the list. Unfortunately, you really think Nashville has a chance to win all three against Atlanta this year and they, they win one. So, but that is what it is. Yeah, this is the formula that we need to see from Nashville to win games. Staunch defending, hitting on the counter, 2-0 type wins. This is how Nashville can be a dangerous team in the MLS playoffs. It's an Atlanta team that has more possession than anybody in the league, and this was a, a, a great day uh, for Gary Smith that we'll continue to discuss when we come back. Plus, guys, uh, I think it's a debate we can have. Is this the best result of the season? Uh, for Nashville SC, given all the other circumstances surrounding this team at this point in the year. Uh, wanted to get into, want to get into that and get y'all's thoughts uh, on that conversation as well. Lots more to come. U.S. Men's National Team Premier League talk. It's all on the way. It's the Nashville Soccer Show, and it's 104.5 The Zone. with you on the Nashville Soccer Show on 104.5 The Zone alongside Lucas Fanzica and Davey Shepard. I'm Will Bowling. Nashville SC goes to Atlanta. They pick up a 2-0 victory over the five stripes, uh, and they are back for a huge one uh, on Friday night 
against NYC. Lucas, this is the first time that we've had to run into a high school football uh, and Nashville SC conflict. I'm very sad that of all the ones for us to run in on a Friday night, this is the one that uh, we're going to have to be scoreboard watching a little bit. <laughs> very unfortunate. Yeah, man. I, NYC, I, I think one of the better teams in MLS. They're a joy to watch. Going to be without James Sands. And Nashville, obviously, going to be without Walker Zimmerman, Anibal Godoy, and Randall Leal, who left a nice party and, gift with that. And Alistair Johnston. And Alistair and Johnston, who, yeah. of course, will be in Nashville playing against Walker Zimmerman on Sunday. So, That's right. yeah, it's very unfortunate that this is one that we're missing, Will, because I do think this has great potential to be a fun one at Nissan Stadium. Well, and you look at the table at this point, too, and Nashville SC is sitting third on 35 points, tied with Orlando. They, they're crushing Orlando in goal differential, though. Um, and, and NYC uh, with a game in hand, just one point back of Nashville. Uh, so this is one really. Yeah, you, big you game. talk about erasing previous results. You kind of need a win here to feel good about your chances to host a home playoff game. Obviously, there's still plenty of time left in the season, but a draw is okay. But this is one you really feel like a, a win would do wonders for you. And at this point, guys, let's just face it. After this win against Atlanta. Why not go for a win in this game? Uh, this is a game where Nashville can kind of continue to use some momentum on what I think is the best result of the season, which we're going to get into here in a minute, and kind of put their foot on the gas pedal a little bit. If they win this one, they're feeling great, and you're not thinking about that uh, Miami loss or at all about that Atlanta draw at home. Yeah, I just don't know that I think the personnel allows you to put the foot on the gas. Like missing Walker Zimmerman, missing Alistair Johnson, missing uh, Anibal. I think Dax may still be gone because he's in the protocol. Leal. Uh, you're missing Leal. I, I just don't – I think a draw is a absolutely monster result in this yeah. game, just due to the people that you have available. If you can get a draw at home, regardless of if it's at home or not, against what I consider probably one of the four best teams in MLS, um, I think that's a really, really good result. And I'd like to see a win, obviously. We've seen this team perform very, very well with the substitutes. I think Layall matters less because you've still got Mukhtar, you've still got Sapong, and we've got Rios and Loba sitting there on the bench. So it's yeah. like, okay, one of those twos can fill in, no questions asked. The bigger thing for me is if Matt Lagrassa has to start, that's going to be tough for 90 minutes. I think Lagrassa has been very good in spells. Um, but an Anunga Lagrassa pivot is going to be interesting to me. Now, here's the other thing. I thought we kind of saw Hani play a bit of eight the other day in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. um, and so he's good too. If you're willing to say that, okay, so Hani slides back a little bit. Well, now Loba and Rios both come into the starting lineup. Now it's a little bit different of a conversation. Yeah. You still hold some of that substantive ability in the midfield because Anunga, you know, can, can sit back and hold. Mukhtar will get forward. And now it's just, well, what does the back line look like? Jack Mayer will be back in. We know Dave Romney's there. Um, is it Eric Miller? Is it Dylan Nealis? Dylan Nealis hasn't seen minutes in ages. What, he got subbed off at the half and then hasn't been heard of. Mm -hmm. um, it's ever since that mistake against Cincinnati where, uh, where Brenner just turns him. Yeah, I mean, I, I Gary Smith. What, yeah. Uh, yeah. Credit to Gary Smith. When somebody puts something on the field like that and has that big mistake, kind of a shocking mistake moment, Gary Smith tends to hold guys pretty accountable for those. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so, uh, it, 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 I mean, do we see what we saw this week where uh, you, you flip Lovitz over to the right, Taylor Washington starts at left wing back, and then you've got Romney, Annie Bobby, uh, Annie Baba Mayer? Uh, maybe, that, maybe that's the ticket. I, I don't know, but it, it – 
we did see Hani play a little bit further back towards the eight. If that's willing to go, that's pretty good 11, man. That's, you know, it's not like some, oh man, they're going to be super lucky to get a draw. To me, that's a competitive team who could compete with, with New York City. Could well, be a I big opportunity. With what we know about Jack Mayer, what we know about Jalil Anibaba, those aren't two huge uh, minuses in, in the back line. If you stick with the same wingbacks and it's Mayer in for Johnston and Anibaba in for Zimmerman, you're still talking about a back five, a back three that is good enough to win this game on Friday. Yeah, and it could be a huge opportunity for Ake Loba. You hope that it's a huge opportunity for him uh, to stamp his name into this lineup uh, every week on Friday and then go back to relying on on Dave Romney, who, again, you, you somebody, one of y'all mentioned it off the top, we just haven't talked about enough this season, has played every minute in Nashville SC's MLS existence. <laughs> Yeah. That is unbelievable. And at the price that they got him at from L.A., uh, really just hat tip to Dave Romney and the job he's done. And Joe Willis, too. Uh, Joe Willis is going to be massive in these kinds of games. Where we talk about a draw being a big result, that comes down to Joe Willis oftentimes. Had a huge save against Araujo on, on, uh, on Saturday. And yeah. he's continued to, to play far above any level that we expected of him when they signed him from Houston Dynamo. So massive, and how about that assist from Joe Willis, say, Willis on Saturday? My God, a pinpoint that ball had to be put in one spot with a very specific pace on it to get to Leal to be able to sneak in an empty netter to use a hockey term. And man, what a pass by Joe Willis! Super happy to see him get an assist there. I was, uh, I, I was kind of chilling at the game, like I wasn't really like trying to be like loud or anything, or or I don't know. I was just for a couple different reasons. Uh, I was just kind of like uh, vibing. Uh, amongst a lot of Atlanta people at that game, but that goal goes in and I like leapt out of my seat. Like I tweeted it like there's no other reaction to to an empty net goal in soccer where the ball almost just stops on the goal line like that slow motion. That was one of the most electric things I've seen in person at a soccer game. And what, I mean, it was Ederson like the assist for 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 Joe Willis. It was incredible. <laughs> yeah, Willis. We we probably we haven't talked about him enough this season. Uh, just in the last two years, he's been phenomenal for this team. Came up huge again on Saturday. Is this the best result of the season, guys? For me, no. But I'm willing to hear arguments why it is. I think I, c- I, considering all the circumstances around this team and the lack of road wins and how good Atlanta was coming into this. I, I don't know if it's – am I allowed to say it's not the best win, but it's the best result? <laughs> like, are those two cl- too close to the same thing? Like, I'm trying to piece this together as I say it, because I think all things considered, you needed this result in this moment, as at least as much as you needed a win over New England at the time, because we didn't know how good New England was. I think we, we now know how good this Atlanta team is, with a lot of its pieces healthy, with a lot of guys back from international duty who were not available the last time Nashville played them. The way Joseph Martinez has been playing, holding him without a goal in his own stadium uh, when Atlanta ha- has kind of a, a full crowd and is playing really well is a huge achievement in and of itself that Nashville needed a road win, not just a road point with New York coming up and with all the teams coming up that this team is going to see over these next couple weeks. Yeah, I get what you're saying. For me, though, it's just uh, – well, so I've always been high on New England this year. I had them in the, yeah, in the top kind of few people unlike in the ben. league. Uh, unlike Ben Wright. Um, no, I, I, I just think the New England result – even I think the draw away is bigger than this because 
I mean, that team, New England has 14 more points than anybody else in the East. And Nashville has taken five points off of them between the draw away and the win at home. Um, And that's pretty impressive. You know what I mean? Like they've made the best team points-wise in MLS drop five. Uh, So – and when you go back and look at context – after drawing against Toronto and before losing to Miami, the fact that they were able to grab a point at New England, the best team in MLS, really, really huge in context as well. So for me, I stick those two up there. This is a really, really good result, though, and, and maybe my favorite performance of the year, being on the road. It was almost that 1-0 that I love. You guys know that. Uh, it was almost just a gritty, gutsy uh, screw you performance. Um, Joe Willis had to throw a little flash at the end, which I do not hate him for. Well, I, w- I was going to say the same thing, too. I think that's why I'm coming to the, a different conclusion, but for the same reason as you, is that I like this performance better. And you look back yeah, at that fair. New England match, and it's Alex Wheel being handed a ball who makes it 2-0. Uh, uh, and you've got a VAR review that brings back – it wasn't a penalty at the time. I think it was an offsides goal for New England that would have tied it. So the margins were really, really close. Uh, and, yes, they were in this match as well, but you're graded on a different scale on the road – and you're definitely graded on a different scale in that stadium. Uh, hey, speaking in, of uh, New England, uh, New York City played them off the pitch just yeah, a few did. days ago. So <laughs> just kind of something to keep in context before Friday night. Something about Yankee Stadium, the, the home teams uh, that play Yankee Stadium. Are, this are this result crushing it right now. This result prompted a bigger sigh of relief than any, any other result this season yeah. because it felt like it exercised a few demons and just the circumstances going in, the form Atlanta was in, the struggles on the road for Nashville. Uh, and the way that it played out with Rios coming back into the fold and finding that goal-scoring form. So I can see what you're saying that, Will, but just to not get reactive, I think I'm going to stick with Davey and say it's those two results, four points in two games against New England Revolution, especially given, you know, you only got two points in two games against Atlanta and, you know, only four points in two games against Cincinnati and Miami, you know, the list goes on and on. I just think that at this point, you look at the upcoming schedule, There are winnable road games coming up. Nashville needed the confidence and needed the proof of concept for, hey, we can win on the road Um, without a doubt. Because after New York on Friday, it still gets tougher than that. Um, You go to Montreal on a Saturday. Uh, The next Saturday, it's at Toronto. Uh, And then from there, you're back in uh, Miami, where, uh, again, you've got to exercise some demons once again. Uh, and then you go to Chicago. Yeah, it's actually been pretty good at home. Let's cut the crap, dude. Montreal, Toronto, Miami, Chicago, gotta be wins. Yeah, gotta I mean, be wins. You should man. expect three points in all those games. Those are, I mean, in Montreal, uh, well, well, well punched above their weight early in the season. I thought performed very admirably. I think they're hanging around the playoffs now. Yes, they're in sixth by one point. Hey, remember DC United in seventh? You blew them away five, whatever, Mm. five, one, five, two, whatever it was. Like, come on, man. Like, you've got to be willing to just put, and that's where I think this show, we we don't, uh, I'm not going to put kid gloves on and say, oh, well, you know, like, if you really look at the, at the end of the day, they're out of playoff slots, guys. You got to beat them. Like, it doesn't matter that you're on the road. You got to beat these teams. Yeah. So I don't care that you're in Canada for the first time and whatever. I don't care that it's humid in Miami. These games have got to be wins to, if you want to host a home playoff game. And hey, that's, that, that's the conversation people are going to have about Atlanta is that, oh, they won on the road because it's their easiest road trip, which I think <laughs> at this point, the way this team has played really far from home, 
Um, uh, although I don't believe it is a valid argument long-term. It makes sense for why this team looks better at Atlanta than they have in any other road stadium this year. While we're on the topic of, of mentioning other MLS teams, because I know we're moving on to U.S. Men's National Team talk here in a minute, uh, El Trafico, man. Uh, oh. I'm, I just have to throw it out there at some point in this show. Three right, to three, absolutely. LA Galaxy, LAFC. Uh, at this point, it has it has reached a level where it delivers as much as any major rivalry in international soccer. <laughs> I mean, game in and game out, quite honestly. Like, there have been boring El Clasicos. There has yet to be a boring El Trafico. I mean, this is unbelievable, just the fireworks and the vibes and the goals and the lack of defending, which makes Crazy. it fun for us. Uh, so just had to throw that out there. Another 3-3 game, an absolute wild one against or between the two L.A. squads, uh, and that continues to be appointment television. It really on was that similar note. On that similar note, uh, I don't know if you guys saw Pat McAfee tweeted out that night that over the past, like, three weeks, he's just been watching a ton of MLS. And he was <laughs> like, listen, like, football starts in 10 days. I'm not going to be able to keep this up. But this has been, like, as enjoyable as watching sports as I've ever had. And uh, I think Tom Boggart and him went back and forth talking over. But uh, that he was watching El Trafico when he tweeted that. And had, that, that Dallas – uh, Austin game the other night yeah. was crazy too. I mean, yeah, five three. That and, one and probably uh, yeah. Portland ahead, beating Seattle two 0 Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, All just great results across the league. And uh, Ricardo Pepe. I mean, this is like a, a very natural transfer into the U.S. Men's National Team. I think he's like the most the most informed forward that they've selected. He's not going to start game one, but I think he should. Like, I think you'll get some me, minutes. Uh, I, he should. He's, we've got to get him cap tied. Uh, yeah. No way around that. So, and how, yeah. how about the fact that Greg Berhalter revealed this on our show? If we just take a minute right now, because that was <laughs> being broken. really did hint at it. Yeah. During the MLS All-Star game. And yeah. we asked him, like, what players are you looking for? And he said, Ricardo Pepe. And then a week later, Stuart Holden's coming on at halftime. Like, it's a breaking special report that, like, OJ is in a Bronco. <laughs> was like the vibe of this report of like, well, we've we've been told some information. Uh, Ricardo, like I feel like this should be a Tom Brokaw special report, not Stuart Holden <laughs> at the halftime of the MLS All-Star game. And then but he it was smashes, on the show first. And then he smashes in the winning penalty against Liga <laughs> MX after Nani blasts his over the bar. How about that? <laughs> Who was it that said that that officially captized him to the U.S.? Was that was that one of us that said? Yeah, that? yeah. Well, in the All Star, I said playing in the All Star game captized him. It's yeah. like a new MLS rule. Well, so hey, they got to get it done this week against El Salvador. If they don't get it done Sunday against Nashville, it's going to be interesting because when you look at the forwards, you expect Sargent to get the start at the nine uh, against El Salvador, maybe against Nashville too, but. You know, Jordan Peefock really interests me. Sibachu, uh, if anybody doesn't recognize that name, he's got a few names going around. But had a big winning goal, if you go back to the Nations League, I think against Honduras. Was it Honduras? And or, or, I might be it wrong Wasn't about it that. the semifinal? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought it was against Honduras. I might be getting mixed up with Olympic qualifying. Though, is it, but, is that, wasn't that Jamaica? Uh, maybe it was. But either you way, uh, he kind of had his coming out party uh, with the national team in the Nations League. So I'm intrigued to see him. He's a guy who's going to be playing in Champions League. Uh, this season, uh, but I do think it will be Josh Sargent getting the start, but you're right. All eyes at the nine will be on Ricardo Pepe because after the gold cup, we didn't have as, as many questions as we did have answers. The nine role was not one of them uh, other than Josh Zardes is a better option than Daryl DK. Zardes is injured. He's not included in this roster anyway. Uh, for the record, I think he would have been if he had been fit, uh, totally. but uh, yeah. So th that's the kind of, I think where you should have your eye on there is, does Ricardo Pepe do anything to have Josh Sargent here in footsteps? And you What's were the right. biggest it was Honduras, by the way. Guys. Okay. 
What's that? Uh, big biggest omission from the roster? For me, it's Chris mm. Richards. Yeah, other than Eunice Musa, who is injured. So that's a totally different discussion. Man, it's really disappointing. I would really would have loved to see Musa. But, uh, you know, Chris Richards, he interests me because he's from Birmingham, where I grew up, and now he's playing for Bayern Munich. You've seen him in Champions League. Just seems like such a raw, raw player at center back. Uh, and so maybe my, my only objection would have been him for Tim Ream. I know this staff likes Tim Ream. Uh, yeah, and he, he, he brings him some versatility in a back three, which I fully expect to see a back three. That's what worked in the Gold Cup. You have five center backs on this roster. I fully expect the back three going into qualifying. But I think that would be it for me. Maybe Chris Richards. Just selfishly, I want to see him in this national team pool. Not a Tim Ream guy. (laughs) Not a Tim Ream guy at all. I think Uh, he's probably veteran presence in the line. I wouldn't expect him to get minutes, but uh, I mean, the guy's kind of done all of it. I I think just probably a good guy to have in the pool. I don't want him there over Richards either, but Mm -hmm. I kind of get the inclusion. Um, For me, it's, I'm I'm probably personally, I I would have liked to see Richards the most. I'm more surprised Cannon isn't in the, the, the roster though. Um, Just kind of what you've seen, you know, Greg rely on him in the past. That one surprised me the most. Now, right back is deep. Um, Very deep. I mean, it, it's so it's not like a huge like surprise, but just kind of based on who Reggie has been in the past, that one kind of jumped off the paper at me. Uh, and, and Tim Weah no longer in the squad due to injury uh, that he picked up for Lille. Uh, so that Who's is something. Did they that, replace him? I, I actually don't think they have yet. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a shame too. It, it really is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I literally, <laughs> I, I was going to like halfway jokingly say CJ Sapong was the biggest omission uh, for me. But then again, like, I, I was actually having this conversation with my brother the other day. Like, you can't tell me that if this was not still a Bruce Arena cycle where Bruce Arena was coming in, having to have results and getting, like, consistent MLS players, you can't tell me CJ Zapong wouldn't have been a guy that Bruce <laughs> totally. Arena is picking at this point he's the of most, the squad. He's the most informed American striker in MLS <laughs> right now. Uh, but listen, as much as you love to see Sapong in there, thank God Bruce Arena is not leading the charge on this. Oh, thing. Lord. Yes, but look, I mean, let, let's go position. I don't by know, position. though. I mean, he's got he's got that team that's double digit points away. From everyone yeah, that's you know they're doing. <laughs> we've been talking so much about New England Revolution, Ugh. but let's just go at, at each level on the field. A goalkeeper, it's a total toss up, right? You imagine it might be Matt Turner because of the form in the Gold Cup and the way he burst onto the scene. But Ethan Horvath, Zach Steffen, Matt Turner, man, this team is in great shape to where you can start any one of those guys and feel really good between the pipes. And then in the, in the, with the back three, again, is what I assume it is. You're probably looking at a Miles Robinson, uh, John Brooks, you know, and then that third guy maybe up for grabs a little bit. Uh, you know, maybe like it's Mark a McKenzie. Dream, Mark McKenzie. Uh, don't expect Zimmerman to start in Nashville, unfortunately. But uh, And then at that midfield, Kellen Acosta really just shoved his name back into that conversation behind Tyler Adams at the six, Weston McKinney and Christian Roldan. Sebastian Legette, and then at forward, just kind of take your pick. It's kind of an embarrassment of riches there. I can't wait to see Brendan Aronson in action for this team, and obviously Pulisic and Reyna. So I'm excited, man. This is as excited as any of us should ever be for World Cup qualifying. I would have liked to see Gianluca Busio uh, get in this team. I wonder if uh, with his move to Venezia that that Berhalter just kind of wants him to get some momentum in a new yeah, team. Yeah, I think that's exactly what that is. He just um, got his first start the other day. Venezia's right. had a rough start in Serie A, but yeah, I think that's a rough exactly schedule too. Rough schedule for oh, Venezia. Yeah. Uh, lots more to come. We're going to continue discussing this, get into a little bit of Premier League and a crazy finish uh, to the transfer window. We'll wrap up the show when we come back here on 104.5 The Zone.
back with you on the Nashville Soccer Show here on 104.5 The Zone, finishing up the transfer window, getting ready for U.S. and Canada uh, coming up this weekend in Nissan Stadium. And by the way, uh, I'm told by our uh, promotions director, Rich Ferris, you can go to 104.5thezone.com, enter for your chance to win um, tickets that we have to USA Canada. Uh, on Sunday night at 104.5 The Zone. So this is not an official Nashville Soccer Show promotion, but, hey, we know the the, the station we're on. So uh, uh, if you want to go to the game, uh, I know we've got a couple of pairs of tickets to give away. Uh, so you can go to 104.5thezone.com right there in the homepage uh, for your chance to be in the building, as our friend Ron Slid would say, uh, on Sunday in Nissan Stadium. Uh, all right, guys, uh, let's let's start a little bit more with U.S. stuff, because uh, there was still kind of a lot more to get into as we finish our last segment. Uh, no Busio. Uh, the midfielders look a little thin to me uh, in this team. Not a whole lot of depth uh, if you pick up a knock uh, in this group with Kellen Acosta, Tyler Adams, Sebastian Legette, which we should have asked Greg Berhalter, like, why the love affair with Sebastian Legette uh, when, when we had him on the show. But anyway. Uh, Weston McKinney and Christian Roldan. I'm a little surprised to see Christian Roldan make this group uh, over some of the other guys, including Busio, uh, who would have been options in midfield. I, I don't mind the Roldan selection. I feel like he's just been a hard-nosed guy who has put in a great shift every time he's on the field. I think Greg Berhalter appreciates Christian Roldan, a bit of a vet- veteran MLS presence in there. So I'm not I'm not too upset about that. And look, you have versatility too in, in other parts of this roster. James Sands, as we saw in the Gold Cup, can move around, all, play all sorts of different spots at midfield. So uh, there's a couple different guys, I think, that could step up into one of those roles. So I'm not too worried about the depth at midfield. I think they really loaded up the defending and, and forward numbers to be able to complement that a little bit if needed. But um, it, it will be interesting. Again, the, the midfield numbers lend more to the idea of a three-man back line, right, with the wingbacks. At this point, I think we can assume that's what we're going to see. Yeah, I agree completely with Lucas there. Um, yeah, would I like to have seen Busio? Sure, I, I would have, especially with a full-strength lineup. I think he was so lively at the Gold Cup. It would have been nice to have seen him be rewarded with that opportunity. Um, but I think in a good team, Greg thinks that uh, Sebastian Legit can do the job. Um, I, I, you know, I think he struggles when he's got to be like the sole creator. But mm-hmm. when you're in a team that's got Rainey and Pulisic and those guys ahead of him, he's not going to have to be that. So if he's in over, you know, whoever, I, I don't think it's the same issue that we've been seeing previously when he started matches. Biggest thing I'm excited about is seeing a midfield trio of Acosta, McKinney, Adams. That is something I, I never thought I'd be so excited <laughs> to watch Kellen Acosta play uh, in a midfield trio for the United States. But without Eunice Musa. Uh, I think it allows Adams and McKinney to be a little more forward-thinking players. And uh, when you have Kellen Acosta behind you with what we've seen from him over the summer uh, in the Gold Cup and in the Nations League, he's going to do the job defensively. So how much better and how much more freedom does Adams and McKinney have to get forward? Uh, McKinney plays more of an eight for Juventus than he does a a holding player. And I think originally when he came into this team, he was a little more defensive-minded. And we know what Tyler Adams could do as a box-to-box midfield player. I mean, heck, he uh, uh, put uh, RB Leipzig through to the next round of the Champions League with a goal late in the game uh, not too long ago. I'm excited to see how those two guys function with more of a defensive-minded six in between them and Kellen Acosta. 
And I wonder if we see any Gio Reyna as part of that midfield trio. I think we I kind so of expect too. him to be out on the wing, but they've got options at forward. So Reyna, another guy that can kind of hop from one position pod to another position pod, dropped into an attacking central attacking role alongside Weston McKinney with Tyler Adams tucked in behind. Well, what about Brendan Aronson as well? Yeah. That's another guy who, if you want to keep Reyna cutting in on his left foot on the right wing and have Pulisic on the left with Sargent down the middle, I think you feel comfortable with McKinney or Adams kind of splitting a role. Kellen Acosta, I think, is one of the first names on this team sheet uh, mm-hmm. in midfield, honestly. And then you have Brendan Aronson, if you need a goal, can also kind of do that shift as the third midfield player. He's in great form. Hey, something to keep in mind before we hop over to Euro Talk. Uh, ben Wright tweets out earlier today, uh, fight around the World Cup qualifying starts Thursday. Worth remembering just how ridiculously hard it is to win on the road in CONCACAF in 179 hex matches since the 1998 cycle. 33% have been won by the visitors. The home side wins 55% of the time. And so just as you're a U.S. fan at home and you possibly see a draw against El Salvador or Honduras, just pump the brakes a little bit, okay? Like yeah. this is a very, okay. very hard conference to play it's away okay. in, and it's going to be fine. The team's going to be okay. Um, now we'll let you yell if this team does not get all three against Canada. We will let you, uh, we'll yeah. forge you the ability to do that, but just the away matches, take it easy. Okay. Well, and then, and then on that note, as we do transition, Drake Hills of the Tennessean reporting FIFA will be in the house at Nissan stadium on Sunday to test it out. We didn't, if we knew it was an audition already, yeah, I mean, but this, <laughs> this all, but confirms it. This is quite literally an audition for the city of Nashville to be a world cup host city. If you're listening to this, you haven't bought your tickets. I do it. Pull the trigger, be there, be loud, so we can have hordes of Ivory Coast fans or whatever it is descending upon Broadway in 2022. Drake does a good job. This is not a knock on him for reporting this. I kind of saw that and was like, was that ever in question? (laughs) Like, like I'm not, this is not a a dig at Drake Hills at all. I think he does a terrific job covering this team for the Tennessean. But uh, like, yeah, like this is an audition. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that I guess that's official now, but um, there's no question that this is this is a tryout for Nashville to get uh, a World Cup match. Hope, hopefully one of those FIFA officials has one of those Slim and Huskies pizzas and not whatever garbage else there is around there food-wise. Yeah, RIP to the old uh, Domino or whatever, the Papa John's personal pizzas. I guess we're not going to get a sponsorship from Papa John's on the <laughs> show anytime soon, but uh, shout out to Slim and Huskies being the new uh, pizza provider. It's not just like a warm Hot oh, goo. hey, look, Ugh. in all seriousness, get to the stadium early if you are attending this match. I don't know if anybody saw the kind of cluster yeah. that was <laughs> yeah. the Titans game the other day. I know this is the flagship. I'm not trying to go <laughs> bash the Titans here, but oh, we've talked about I, it last two being days. a Titan season ticket holder for several years now, yeah. it is very hard to get into games early in the season. Make sure you are there with plenty of time to get in before kickoff. I feel like that was at least – on Sunday though, or Saturday though, because there was a lightning delay a little bit. Like when you when you cut off letting people in for thirty minutes, and then you de- you you delay by thirty minutes everyone getting in. Like it makes sense. Like obviously we don't have a lot more to go off of in the history of Nissan Stadium to prove otherwise. So it was more of the same. But I don't know. Just uh, we also way. know that every time there's soccer in Nissan Stadium, you, you will just see entire gates just not open. Which I will never, ever understand how you can have uh, 40, 50,000 people there. I think it ends up being a little over 40,000 
probably 42, 43,000, which people are going to knock on. But the way na- the way the U.S. sets their ticket prices for these World Cup qualifiers, I know it, we've talked about this is maybe not a, as big of an issue as some have made it out to be, but it still is a determining factor for why, you know, these games don't have quite as many people as you would hope. It isn't a Nashville problem. It's a U.S. men's national team setting their ticket prices problem for me. So, yeah. we'll see. Uh, Premier League week three. Uh, thank God it's an international break. Um, oh, buddy. Look, I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I just don't even, I, I want Edu gone. I don't, Arteta is not even the issue for me at this point right now. Like this is, it's just, I don't have enough time in this show to talk about all the issues. So let's just talk about y'all's teams. <laughs> no, well, well, hang on. He, no, 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 no. If anyone's just tuning in. Because usually fun. you are the one that is like, you know, Will, you know, dude, just you're, you're two in the weeds. Like, we don't need more Arsenal. So I'm, you're right, I'm you're doing right. you all a favor. Okay, all right. You know what? I will back off. I, that's, you are, I will back <laughs> let's off. Let's talk transfers. Let's talk transfers. Yeah. Every signing a right back, though, which we like. Everything in the world has happened. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo returns to Manchester United. Lucas and I both had him as league winners before that deal went through. Um, I still don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, that's fair. I, look, I'm not saying they're going to run away with it. I've said it all along. I think there's maybe maybe 10 points between first and fourth this year, and I think yeah. Chelsea and Liverpool kind of showed their title credentials just the other day as well. Um, that being said, I mean, I think it certainly helps. I, I don't know, though. Do you think he's some, like, supreme upgrade on Cavani, Lucas? Um, not necessarily. Look, he's going to score goals, but yeah, right. I say that, I say that because I'd feel better about Manchester United's league winning chances. Uh, if they had gone out and signed a defensive midfield and indeed yes, type player exactly. over yeah. Ronaldo, I think Ronaldo's going to be right. a great help. He's going to score in bunches. To That's me, all he's ever done. He scored 30 goals in right. Serie A last season, but United's yeah. problem is, is there going to be too much Fred and McTominay, Fred on the McTominay. to win the title? Right. And, and yeah. there might be, there might be, I'll give you that. So, um, it's just going to come down to that position. Uh, I think uh, when Varane gets kind of incorporated in the starting lineup more regularly, obviously the defense will improve. Um, it looks like the Kieran Trippier stuff uh, kind of fell apart. Um, so Wamasaka will stay the right back. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a really, really good side. It's going to be a hard team to beat. Um, they'll, they'll leave themselves out here and there. I think they were lucky to get all three the other day, right? Um, against Wolves. Uh, Wolves should yeah. have been up maybe two or three nothing at some point and just could not finish. So, hey, credits. I mean, at the end of the day, I said the other day, hey, teams that win titles get, get draws like that at Anfield like Chelsea did the other day. Um, same thing. Teams that win titles win away at Wolves when you have absolutely no business winning. So it's a really, really good result for them. Yeah. yeah, it's not bad at all. Uh, we've got about a minute left here, guys, but uh, I just don't think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is beating the managers that are right behind. Like he's not, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's crazy to me. And I tweeted this out and I botched it because I said the wrong European champion. But like, I remember as an Arsenal fan being so tired of finishing third and fourth every year, like, no, Arsenal should be ambitious and go for, for the title. And then now the fourth best team in England is the European champion two years ago. And maybe the third best team, uh, which I think still has a chance to be the second best team or, or even win the thing because all four of those teams are in it. The third best team is the defending European yeah. champions. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for today's show. If you missed any of it via podcast, uh, you can find that wherever you listen to podcast here tonight. Uh, special thanks, of course, always to Fat Bottom Brewery. We're going to be having a lot of away days there soon. So uh, stay tuned for that here on the show. 
Uh, but for Davey Shepard, for Lucas Panzeca, I'm Will Bowling. Big one Friday for Nashville SC. We'll discuss it next week right here on 104.5 The Zone.